You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. We'll be talking about Pink Floyd's Piper at the Gates of Dawn. In the room, I have John, hey. Ben, Hello. Zach, Hi. and Grady. Hi. Uh, the Piper at the Gates of Dawn is the debut studio album from the English rock band Pink Floyd, released 4th of August 1967 on EMI Columbia. It was produced by Norman Smith, and the genre is psychedelic rock, experimental rock. Formed in the late uh, 1960s by students Sid Barrett on guitar and lead vocals, Nick Mason on drums, Roger Waters on bass and vocals, and Richard Wright on keyboards and vocals. Pink Floyd, named after two Georgian bluesmen, Pink Anderson and Floyd Council, gained popularity performing in London's underground music scene. The band found their psychedelic experimentations were best received at the UFO Club in London, where they began to build a fan base. Barrett's performances were enthusiastic, leaping around in a frenzy of improvisation to get past his limitations into areas that were very interesting, which none of the others were willing to do. In 1967, Pig Floyd began to attract the attention of music industry and the UFO club manager Joe Boyd and Pink Floyd's booking agent Brian Morrison arranged and funded a recording session at Sound Techniques in West Hampstead. Three days later, Pink Floyd signed with EMI, receiving a £5,000 advance, and EMI released the band's first single, Arnold Lane. But due to its cross-dressing references, it was banned on several uh, radio stations. However, creative manipulation by the retailers who supplied sales figures to the music business meant that the single peaked at number 12 on the UK charts. They recorded Piper at the Gates of Dawn at the EMI Studios in London with Norman Smith and balance engineer Pete Brown helped ensure that the album had a unique sound using unusual heavy echo and reverberation and acoustic double track to add layers of echo into the vocals and instruments. The album tries its best to capture the bluesy rock riff and pull them into a lengthy jam. Barrett's LST intake escalates partway through the album's recording sessions, and by the end, he was looking visibly debilitated. The album peaked at number six, spending 14 weeks on the UK charts, and was released to much acclaim as one of the first and best examples of 1960s psychedelic. All right, what do we think of Piper's At the Gates of Dawn? I'm a fan. I mean, for, especially for a debut album. I mean, that's quite a, a powerhouse. Um, I mean, I'm not as much of a fan of the more sing-songy Sid Barrett stuff. Um, but when they get, I mean, it's the way that it starts out, um, whatever that first track's called. Astronomy. Um, Domine. Domine, yeah. Domine. Um, just 
epic and powerful and you know you're they're taking you on this awesome journey um and it, it wavers throughout but whenever they're getting more experimental uh i mean i thought it was it was fantastic i have a different opinion <laughs> it's it, it tell us ben <laughs> it's just it's, it's not for me um i i like songs so i like some of the tracks because there's a few songs on this record i like lucifer sam it's a cool song uh when they just get into like sound exploration, it like I I get it. You know, it's nineteen sixty seven. Let's all take acid and press record and see what happens. But I think that same. I think, I think there's a little more that goes into it than that. But is there? Have you heard Interstellar Overdrive? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's, sure, there's improvisation, but it's not like there wasn't weren't structures. Yeah, going I was in. gonna say. I mean, I'm. I'm usually not a fan of this kind of music, but I thought Interstellar Overdrive actually kind of goes somewhere, a different direction an, than we've heard before. There's especially. an arc to it. I'll give it this. I, I listened to it multiple times, and mm. my bad opinion of it mellowed with repeated listens. The first time I heard the song, it it just royally pissed me off. It, it was just like it, it. It just it seemed just like kids walking around banging on pots and pans, and I wanted it out of my ears. Mm. With repeated listens, I started picking up some nuances and some patterns. It's it. It still is. It's just it's not for me. You know, like not every song is for every person, and sure. this shit ain't for me. Give me give me David Gilmore. Yeah. Well, and I I think you know Pink Floyd actually said later about Interstellar Overdrive like. We were just playing because we were not good. We were just <laughs> making sounds. <laughs> like, and, you know, I agree that upon repeated listens, it's a nine and a half minute song. I think eight minutes of it is jerking off. A minute and a half in there. There's a cool some, riff. Yeah, there's some pretty solid riffs, like on the front end and the back end. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm into it. But it's in the like, middle. Turn out that middle. Part. Yeah. And I, and I totally get that. I, I tend more I don't know, though. I, I had written down that halfway through, since we're just talking about this song, halfway through, I feel like it almost breaks the song in half, like, which is something new to me, uh, you know, listening to these albums in chronological order. I don't think there's ever been a, a moment that, um, I'm not a huge fan of this album, but I, somehow I, I found this that song to be very valid in the way it just, like, completely stops the song and it, like, devolves into this, like, madness like this sort of like bizarre place that it just goes it's like oh it's a regular song oh no it is getting weird you know like that sort of when you take lsd or whatever it's like oh everything's normal now it's slowing down expanding which i feel like the beatles kind of did in you know like sergeant pepper and some revolver stuff but Mm. they didn't get into the like Oh, it's out there <laughs> now. I, I don't yeah. think that any band was doing as much LSD as just Sid Barrett. <laughs> yeah, like I, I've, I've heard stories about how he would he would like mix LSD into like pomade or something like that, and like put it into his hair before a show, and then like the hot stage lights would just be like melting it down his face. Interesting. And he he, he was just not on Earth anymore. Yeah. There's there's footage yeah. from uh, uh the, so Pink Floyd when they did their American tour right after this they played uh the the Pat Boone show of all shows <laughs> and they're playing this really tri- well they're not really playing because they're lip syncing because it's the Pat Boone show but they're lip syncing <laughs> this really just 
trippy, weird song. It's uh, Apples and Oranges. It's not on this record. And Sid Barrett's just standing there. He's not even doing anything. He's just, like, frozen <laughs> on stage in his own mind. And once the camera guy realizes this, they just don't show the front man of the band anymore. Like, you hear lyrics and you hear guitar lines, and it's just footage of just, like, the drummer. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, shit, we don't point the camera at that freak. I think, uh... I think that as, like, LSD experimental as this record is, I think one thing that it does is really time stamps it. Like, this record sounds like 1967 sure. and no other year. More, more more because of the Barrett stuff than I feel the the, the oh, sonic right. exploration stuff. Um, it, it's it's all Barrett stuff except for one track. Well, I guess what I mean by that is the, are the more concise, bouncier pop songs. Those seem a lot more dated to me than some yeah. of the more experimental. Yeah, like, experimental, mean, yeah. like yeah. the gnome. The gnome. <laughs> like the gnome. I have written down the gnome to just get out. No, I have the gnome as a banger. Uh, I want to tell you a story about a little man, if I can. A gnome named Grimble Grumble, a little gnome stay in their homes. Eating, sleeping, drinking their wine. He wore a scarlet tunic. What's the gnome's can, name? Can we get John? Uh, more Grimble the... Grumble? <laughs> can we throw that on? In the Many people yeah. think it's Grimble Grumble. It's Grimble Grumble. Grimble Grumble. <laughs> get it right. What pay color, the price. What, what color is his cloak? Uh, it is crimson, I believe. A crimson cloak. He uh, bides his time <laughs> drinking, drinking his wine. wine. <laughs> that that dank gnome wine. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I tend more toward a little bit more out there stuff and. I hadn't heard this album uh, before. I'd heard a track or two, I, I think, but I came at Pink Floyd from like "Wish You Were Here" and then sort of worked a little bit backwards. Um, and it's it's uneven, certainly, um, but I think where what it shows is where they're, you know, I mean, as a debut album, especially, I think it's a pretty interesting um, artifact. Um, and they certainly, I think, get, do a lot better stuff overall, but. Uh, it's the the, yeah, the kernels yeah, were there. Literally everything else they did was better. Than that. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a quote in the book that I want to read. The quote's talking about the guitar work on Interstellar Overdrive, and it says, "quote It's the best non-David Gilmore guitar work of the band's career." He was, David Gilmore was on every album except this one. Yeah. So that quote also means is this it's the, the best guitar work on the album. Is, <laughs> you know, like every, Which is a fine <laughs> statement, but is, is this really the only one without Gilmore? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's funny. That is, that is pretty funny. Yeah. It's the best non-David Gilmore work of their whole career, guys. I mean, really, you know, ultimately I think there are a couple of songs on here that I would listen to again it's not something that I'm going to want to revisit a whole lot um, but I, I still um, I guess if we're doing the ratings I still give it a thumbs up I think it deserves a place in the book yeah I don't know like like halfway through the first song I was like this could go in in one of two directions and uh, one of them's really bad and it went in that direction <laughs> in a bad, bad way. Um, yeah in a pretty bad way um and it got worse. Uh, I think tra I think track two is when I started looking up the lyrics, 
uh, just to make sure that I was hearing correctly. You got a and, couple pulled up there. Oh yeah, yeah. Talking about unicorns. Yeah, there's some. Well, there's the unicorn That's on song. That's the flaming for I sure. Think. Yeah. <laughs> um, take up thy stethoscope and walk. Um, I mean, yeah. Uh, choke on bread. Underfed. Gold is lead. Jesus bled. Pain is red. Argoon. Grow go. Greasy spoon. You swoon. June Bloom. Some really good rhymes. Who's there. the better poet? Uh, <laughs> or freaking Jim Ogden Morrison? Nash. Yeah, I mean, Jim Morrison's poetry Dude, is. But take up thy stethoscope and walk sounds dead up like a door song. Take up thy stethoscope and walk take is the only uh, Roger Waters composition on the record. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it was. So, there so you yeah, go. I don't know. I uh, I was not a fan. Um, what other Floyd albums are on this list? You know? I'm, I'm sure, sure Dark, Dark Side, Dark Side, Dark Side the Wall, yeah, and Wish You Were Here, probably. probably. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. All I mean, I, I, actually, I think I saw it was Animals on there. I don't know. I don't know about I don't that. Know. Anyway, what do we think about the recording? Like the sound, like the sonic quality. Oh, because that was something I thought great. was inter- very interesting. It's, the, it's Abbey Road Studios. Yeah. 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 The EMI Columbia the Studios. ADT, the automatic it, double tracking. And it sounded like, uh, yeah. I forget the name of the engineer that EMI got to do it, but it seemed like he was down with the whole project. He was like, let's get weird, fuckers. Sure. Kind of like a... Kind of like a... Oh, Are you talking about Pete Brown? He was the balance engineer, but I guess Norman yeah. Smith kind of had some Norman, Norman Smith. Was, yeah. yeah. I think he was down, but he also expressed some problems with Sid. <laughs> yeah. Oh, as, yeah. You, yeah. as you would Legitimate probably in the house. Uh, initially down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I did see that the, I think the, the label not really knowing what the potential of this band was sort of gave him free reign yeah. with the, with the process, which is, which is pretty cool. I read that Norman Smith. So like, he was trying to kind of help them. It was the first time in the st- well. It wasn't the first time in the studio. It was the first time recording an album. So he was trying to help them, but like they, they were having like kind of a communication breakdown because Norman Smith's background was a lot more traditional music, and Pink Floyd was just trying to break these boundaries and break the molds and get out there. So Norman Smith was he was trying to uh, kind of like connect with the band. So he would like play jazz on the piano and it sounded like like roger waters and richard wright and uh, uh mason would kind of like be grooving with them and it worked for those three like midwell like sid bears just off like spinning in a corner <laughs> somewhere and he, he like he tried so hard to to make that connection. There's just no connecting with Sid Barrett. Well, yeah, yeah. And it's on another given, planet. Given yeah. where he went from here, I mean, it's not yeah. surprising either. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I I struggle with this one because it's you you want to give credit where credit's due mm-hmm. for kind of making this crazy expanse, but at the same time, I don't really like it. Sure. I mean, I don't really like this music, but I'm like very very into like how it's recorded and just having a example of like psychedelic yeah, trip I mean, that really is psychedelic. It's not just rock that has some like sitar in it or something like that it like really goes into great, expanses i mean great harmonies great sonic textures i mean there's a lot of interesting stuff about it whether it's yeah. your specific cup of tea or not is there like a like a direct predecessor to this album like another band that was doing something in this ballpark that could be ramped up i mean you no, sure I mean, there here, was. i mean sure i'm sure there was i'm just probably hundreds freak out and 
you know, like the, that, the mothers and sure. Benjamin I mean, there there was stuff. there was some more like avant garde stuff that I heard in in um, in this as well, like almost like Stockhausen, like yeah. the Pow R T, the Talk H, whatever. Yeah, that one starts out with those weird little loops of uh, yeah. like singing and percussion and breath and whatever else. I, um, yeah, time and time again, though, I hear like almost like the songs being like Luskin's Sky for Diamonds. Like sure. it's like they it's like that one song is like stretched into like oh, expanded is... out or something. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I mean Zappa is a good uh, example because I mean he was directly influenced by like Pierre Boulez and like, music concrete stuff uh, as well. So Yeah. Some of the stuff though I found kind of hokey. Like you were talking about oh, those yeah. those like oh, God. just like the cheap little Jingle jangle songs. It's very strange. That's why I have a hard time. To- yeah, that's why I have a hard time. It's like they 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 try and keep it together, but it sounds a little hokey with what they're doing. And then they get into bizarre areas. And I'll take the bizarre. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's where I am. In my opinion, the best thing to come out of Sid Barrett era Pink Floyd is David Bowie's cover of See Emily Play. <laughs> It, he takes that psychedelic song and makes it into a tight rock song, and and I it's like you got chocolate my peanut butter, and that's what I want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know the uh, the reason I can't get past the the hokiness of this, but I can deal with some of the crazy Zappa stuff from the same era. It's like he's he's doing it and constantly sort of rolling his eyes the whole time at. At this type of music that he's making, yeah, these guys were <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they were sold one hundred percent, oh yeah, yeah all the way yeah. in. We're only yeah. in it for the money. Certainly sounds dated as well, but in yeah. in a more palatable in, yeah. in a way that I'll I will listen yeah. to. Speaking about what you said before, Ben, about you like your songs or whatever, the band was not widely accepted in London to initially. Uh, and they, after a performance at a Catholic youth club, the re- owner refused to play them, claiming their performance was, quote, not music. <laughs> and then they filed suit against the owner, and the judge uh, favored with the management, saying, <laughs> saying yeah, this is not it's music. not music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's precedent. It's set. I'm assuming that somewhere in there, to make his, the ruling, the judge had to go to a Pink Floyd oh, show. No, probably. <laughs> that, oh, no, you're yeah. right. Yeah, you're like right. a minute in, he's Fuck just like... This noise. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm certainly picturing him in the, the wig. <laughs> in the <wigged> robes. <laughs> to tell my favorite Pink Floyd, Sid Barrett Pink Floyd story. When they first got um, David Gilmore in the band, you know, he's the new guitarist and everything. Uh, Sid was like, okay, we're going to, you're going to learn this song. It's called Have You Got It Yet? And so Sid starts playing the song 
and David Gilmore's like, oh, that's pretty easy. That's an easy one to learn. And then he's and then they start playing along, and Sid's like, no, 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 it's not like that. And then he he plays it, but over the time, David Gilmore realizes that he's incrementally changing the arrangements in like <laughs> minute areas. <laughs> uh, but he he eventually realized that he's fucking with him because he just keeps saying, have you got it yet? Like, in his face. <laughs> he, he realized that he was, like, being, like... Just trolling. Yeah, he was just trolling him. But uh, later, uh, he called it an act of a mad genius. <laughs> uh, I'll give him mad. <laughs> Sid was definitely the inspiration for some of those later tracks like shine on you crazy crazy diamond Diamond. yeah and wish you were here i Mm -hmm. think yeah and essentially the protagonist in the wall Mm -hmm. um because he showed up with his everything shaved everything shaved like 50 pounds bigger yeah yeah and cigarettes burning to the ends uh when he was they 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 felt so bad though they didn't even recognize him when he showed up oh i know they felt bad because they'd have to sneak off they to do the gigs and stuff because he became so unresponsive and it's such a sad story. Uh, so ultimately, how do we feel about this individually? Positive, I neutral, mean, credit negative. Credit to do, but I I I don't want to listen to it. Yeah. So would you call that a positive or a neutral or a negative? Well, it's definitely not a positive. But I don't know if I can fully give it a, a negative. Should it be in the book? I mean, probably. Yeah. I just don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I agree with Ben. Like, I'm, There's a few songs on this album that I like, but that doesn't make it a good album, nor does it mean I want to listen to it. So, neutral. Huh. Uh, the book is a thousand one albums you should hear before you die. And I feel upset that I spent the time <laughs> listening yeah. to this. So, negative. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're on the you're on the positive. I, think it, I, I, I yeah. like it overall. Um, I like where it's going. I like a, a few tracks in particular, and I, I I see its place in the book. Yeah, I think I, I would probably go negative actually. <laughs> Although I I tend to appreciate that you know where they're going, what they're trying, but it just doesn't seem like. I mean, for Pink Floyd, this is just not my Pink Floyd. It's I, not the I, Pink I, Floyd you know and love. Yeah. And I mean, I had heard it before, but it's still, it doesn't resonate with me now, and it does, didn't resonate with me then. I mean, even even outside that, it's not a psychedelic band that sounds good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, there are, there are way better heavy psychedelic oh, yeah. records than yeah. this one that you can listen to. Uh, Wait, but are they as... It's not a good band that does Are they <laughs> The types of, like, the psychedelic era of music that I prefer either have more garage rock infused or they have more, like, Baroque pop infused. Yeah, I think that's what I'm missing, too, like, is, either is that, like... go the way of, like, 13 Floor Elevators or go the way of, like, <sighs> Odyssey and Oracle. So they needed a jug. They needed a jug, is what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, like, uh, give or take the jug. That it, they were a garage rock band with psychedelic influences. Yeah. The songs were songs. Yeah. Yeah. They had a beat. You could shake your butt. Uh, you know, there's like, I, I'm sure that they're. I'm sure that 
more went into the the songwriting process. But when you listen to it, it sounds like like the album process is let's all drop acid and hit record. Yeah, and I I, I don't I don't don't ever want to hear that. Yeah, I think that's yeah, and that's why. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I think that that's important that that stuff happened. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it had to happen for other things to develop. But that doesn't mean that because this is important in that way that it's good. Right. I would, I would agree. Yeah. Just yeah. In general, um, and I guess you you were bringing up the the title of the book as you know what is defining your criteria for not want you know not wanting to hear it having wasted your time listening to it uh, I guess I, I'm approaching that as like important moments in the history of of pop and rock mm-hmm. music through throughout and so that's what I'm basing my my decision on okay yeah uh, great well, I think good good psychedelia makes you feel high even when you aren't yeah yeah that's true in, in some one way or the other so this album was just badass that just kind of makes me feel <laughs> <laughs> makes me feel angry yeah <laughs> just Anxious and un- unhappy. Yeah, this, is, this is the brown acid. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't take the piper at the gates of dawn. <laughs> this is a very Sid popular Barry. record. This record has a lot of fans. It I mean, was, I was, it, really, it well, was reissued every it was a lot of fans. Yeah, it, this was a 50 year anniversary. There's a big like record store day reissue. And like every time like I open some kind of social media, I see people like, oh man, fucking love it. So, you know, to each their own. But not for me. Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe people look back. I I definitely think that people have that sort of they look back at like an artist that they really love and they're so forgiving about like their early stages of yeah. of their sure. albums. Right, this is Floyd's uh, debut it, album. Yeah. Right? yeah, and so it's like, oh, I love Pink Floyd, and so yeah. you know the debut that's the original where they came from. So yeah. they kind of give it a yeah. I guess that I, that could be used to argue why I really like that Rolling Stones record that no one yeah, else liked. That's that's. Yeah, and I that was my argument against more it. generous <laughs> yeah. and, and forgiving with my my ratings overall. I yeah, think, with especially with these sorts of things. Um, yeah, let's stop listening to, to this record though. Each is <laughs> 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 yeah. next. Next time we're going to talk about an album that had a killer debut, The Who. Yeah, yeah. All right, next episode we'll be talking about The Who, The Who sellout. All right, thanks, y'all.